welcome everyone out to the podcast today. On today's podcast, we have special guest. Actually, he's, I guess, more of a regular now. Braden Howard. Say hello, Braden. Hello, Braden. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> On today's podcast, we have a topic we're going to discuss that's quite close to uh, uh, Braden and myself, uh, our hearts. Uh, what is our topic today, Braden? Being introverted. Being introverted. Just for those who are uh, listening for the sake of conversation, why don't you give us a definition of an introvert? Your own words. Um, uh, well, I would consider myself an introvert. So if you looked up the word introvert in the dictionary, you'd probably see a picture of me. <laughs> um, but uh, if we're speaking technically here, uh, an introvert is someone who does not like social interaction mm -hmm. now i say that i'm always the in the most introverted extrovert there is but it's, <laughs> it's true it, they uh they struggle with interaction with people they aren't comfortable with mm -hmm. uh, now, so now, now and we'll, we'll talk more about this yeah. but when you say not comfortable with it, it, just for a disclaimer explain what you mean by, by that um, large groups people that i'm not i don't really know right Maybe I don't know their opinions, their beliefs. Right. Um, or maybe that's just, I'm not in the mood to talk one day. Right. You, it just depends yeah, on, you, you on the situation. You don't mean uncomfortable because of the color of their hair yes. or, mm. or something, or the way they're, they're dressed. It, it's, it's, it's you're, you, you just don't feel comfortable because you don't know mm. them. Like, really, you, you don't have a, a good read on them, so to speak. When, <clears throat> on, on today's podcast, when we talk about introverted um, we, we actually were, were, I had typed up the word introvertedness, uh, for our outline for today's podcast and, um, uh, word would not allow me to use introvertedness without having the red squiggly underneath of it. Uh, introvertedness is not an actual word, but <clears throat> for the sake of our podcast and the discussion today, I am going to refer to the word introvertedness as the practice or the, the, uh, the, living out of being introverted, having the, 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 the characteristics of introvertedness. Uh, so for those of you who are um, grammar uh, watchers, I understand that introvertedness is not a word, but in Braden and I, our lives, introvertedness is definitely something that we deal with. And I am very confident that there are several, maybe even many others, who would agree with us on that sentiment. And as we go through the course of our conversation today, there's probably going to be a lot of people that would be like, you know what? I didn't realize it, but I think I've got a touch of introvertedness as well. So let's let's get into the discussion here. Being an introvert is uh, somewhat debilitating at times, is it not? Very. Yeah, and, and you know, you want to have a conversation with someone, and it's like you just, you also would like to just run and, and jump off of a, uh, porch, you know, and, and take off running through the field because you have that decision to make fight or flight. Do I dive in here and, uh, and, and have a conversation or do I just divert and, and, you know, deflect and take off? Why is it that introvertedness, uh, is such an issue and what is it that, that, that you think uh, causes uh, the uh, the being intro or the the practice of being introverted. What what are your what are your thoughts on that? Um, well, I'd say a lot of it happened from COVID. 
Um, which I, I was an introvert before then, so it didn't right. really change much. But uh, well, and for the for just for the record, for those who are listening, uh, they don't know who you are. How old are you? Twenty. Right. So this is also a process of maturing, growing up, and and getting out into the into the into the world. So so all of these things are factors. But carry on. Uh, so really in. Growing up in school, you know, I wasn't one to go out and make new friends. I was just always friends with the people. I was always friends with just because, you know, my dad was friends with their dad in high school. So we grew up playing ball together. Right. We were always at each other's house and so on. Um, You know, things really started to change, especially like once I got out of high school and started to make new friends Mm -hmm. out at college. Um and that's even harder for myself as well because like I said earlier I don't know how these people feel so I don't want to go too quickly into a friendship without maybe offending somebody or setting them off on the wrong foot um but even then being an introvert at a place where I thought that you know I I would have a lot of of good relationships like this past weekend at Converge Mm -hmm. you know most of us if not all of us were, were believers in Christ then. Mm-hmm. That's the, the the most uncommon thing that we could have with one another. Sure. But even that Friday night when they had the big party down at the at the Mac, I was like, I don't want to be here. Like, why is there so many people? <laughs> I, it was just so just tiring to be right. there and just watch what was going on, even though I wasn't out there dancing in the hoedown. I was just <laughs> sitting there. I was like, I don't belong here. I went up to my room, went to bed. It was just... Well, when you mentioned earlier, you're friends with the people you've always been friends with. Your dad was friends with their mm. their parents, etc. The one word that came to my mind was the word comfort. There is a comfort in the the usual, the comfort in 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 the uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Comfort in the the same thing, you know, the, that 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 cycle. When now, when we when we and we're going to continue the discussion about, you know, how being an introvert plays out in our life and affects us. And, and as we go through this podcast, we are, in effect, defining the word the whole way through, right, as, through our discussions. One of, one of the things I'd like for us to, uh, to, to look at uh, today is there are different levels of being an introvert. There are people who just cannot function in a, you know, conversational style um, setting with, with even someone, just one other person. Then there are folks who do okay in the one-on-one conversations, but not so much in, um, you know, a group of people. Then there are those that do okay with that, but not large groups of people. And then it becomes a thing of large groups of people that I'm familiar with, like going to a ball game, I'm okay, and I'll talk to lots of different people. But if someone new comes into the mix, you know, oh my goodness, I'm out. So uh, a direction I'd, I'd like for us to go with this is whether it's in our you know, neighborhood or the area around our home where we live, and a new family moves in, or it's going to you know going to work, and a new person 
starts working there with us, or we are the new person that starts working there, or it's someone new comes to church, or someone new is now a part of the community, and and how does this, inter, you know, this how does this interaction that we need to have with these people happen if we are debilitated by being an introvert? At no point are we downplaying or saying that there is no such thing as being an introvert. Let me explain from my own personal experience. You made a statement earlier. You are the most extroverted introvert in the world, right? That's exactly how I feel. Everybody thinks that I have this, oh, he just loves to talk. Oh, he just talks to everybody. Look at him at the funeral home. Look at him at the groceries. Look at him at church. Look at him at the ball game. Oh, he talks to everybody. What? Man, I do, but it can be debilitating for me. Putting myself out there like that and taking that step, man, sometimes I have to go crawl in my cave for a day or two, you know, just to just to kind of bounce back. I've heard people say, oh, I would never believe that about you. You have anxieties. You have issues with, with conversation. Yes, I do. I mean, I push back against it, but... If I'm being honest, there are times when I go home and I'm like, man, I should have been more outgoing or I should have said something to this person, should have introduced myself, should have done, done something to, to, to connect with them. So I myself deal with it. Like how many times on a Sunday morning have you heard me come up to you and say, I can do this. I'm going to push, my, I'm going to push through this. I can, you know, it's one of those Sundays. Like I'm, hey man, it's one of those days where I just want to crawl under the pew, but I'm going to go out here and talk to everybody. And then I'm all be up in front of everybody like five, six, seven times. You know, it's, it's debilitating. It, it really is. I, but but I have to I have to push through it. There are people who will say, "Well, I'm just not good at you know talking to somebody or or being friendly or or getting out you know getting out and talking to people because I'm an introvert." Now I want to have a very difficult conversation. Is that a reason for the difficulties that you overcome, or is it an excuse for inaction? Well, see, with that one, I can see it both ways, uh, because, you know, I, I suffer from the same exact thing. Um, you know, it, it is a, a valid reason. Like, you know, sometimes it can be physically debilitating. Like, you know, you could have a panic attack. Um, but then again, there's also the side of me that says, well, it doesn't say to... Just because you're an introvert, you can't go out and share the word with somebody in the Bible. Right. It doesn't give us an, a, an opportunity to make that excuse because there is no excuse for that. Right. Now, you know, the last, especially the last several weeks uh, or well, the last month or so of messages on Sundays, which you guys can go back and listen to um, our Sunday messages on the podcast. We've been discussing over... The, 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 over the last several weeks, we've been discussing the thought, the topic of covering one another's sins. Like when we come together as a body of believers, we know that all of us have messed up in some way or we have personality defects that, yeah, I would love for those, those issues to be able to be overcome and to not be something that stays with the person forever because it's debilitating to them too. But when we come together, we can't focus on one another's flaws and beat each other up for everything we've done wrong and use that as an excuse to, to disregard someone else's individuality and their, their worth, value and worth. 
But I think there's a case to be made that sometimes people will use something that is a difficulty for them as an excuse. I'm not being mean when I say that. I'm not, I don't mean that in a, in a disparaging way. What I'm saying is we, we have to be careful not to make excuses for our bad behavior and then demand that everybody be merciful and gracious with us. Because if we see that it's a problem, then that's something we should be addressing, right? If we, you can see individually that you have an issue, well, then that means you also have got the opportunity to make the decision to do something about it and correct it. Now, in the process of, you, of your discovery and correcting that issue, I'm going to love you the whole way through. I'm not going to love the better, or I'm not going to love you more or better when you figure it out. I'm going to love you the same, but I want the best for you. So, in talking about introvertedness as a reason versus an excuse, um, I want to. I want you to talk to me about um, what is it about the social interaction and being an introvert. What What does that produce? in you what does that cause you to feel um well, like i said we, we talked about my friends from high school mm-hmm. uh, mostly it's just discomfort mm-hmm. you know it's i just don't feel comfortable in that sort of situation what does your brain feel like when you're in a situation like that uh, it just you know my i start looking cross-eyed sometimes you know vision starts blurring like you know uh-huh I can't focus uh-huh. on anything. Uh-huh. It just seems like my brain's going 90 miles a minute, mm-hmm. even though it's just me standing or sitting in the corner at this table mm-hmm. over here watching everybody mm-hmm. else. It, it almost sometimes feel like um, a sense of loneliness because, mm-hmm. like you know, I I want to be a part uh, of all this, uh, all these things happening, right. but like I just physically can't because it just doesn't. So you feel trapped. Yeah, it doesn't. Or, or I'm sorry, not trapped. You know what I mean? Like you're in a cage and you can't yeah. get out. Of it. Yeah. What now? In terms of the physical effects, you know, the blurry vision, the cross-eyedness, the 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 it's mind accelerated race, heart rate. Sometimes accelerated heart rate. Um, what do you? What like? Is it? I'm not sure how to how to phrase the question without making a statement. But does it? Do you ever feel like? Um, do you ever feel like running? Sometimes. I mean, explain what you mean by, by that. Like, what, what is your... Just getting away from it all. Getting away from it all. A- and that's exactly what happened this last weekend. You know, I just... I had to take the half-mile walk. Retreated. I had to take the half-mile walk up the hill at midnight and went into my room, turned the lights off, went to bed. Mm. Well, I didn't go to bed. I couldn't sleep because now, now, of the interaction that I had. Yo! Oh, so you were, you were jacked up because well, of the... it was the, just... Like your rape, mind is racing, well, yeah, your heart so, rates up. So uh, being introverted and the anxiety that I have go hand in hand with each other. Well, you just said the magic word. It, because it, it produced that sense of anxiety within uh, myself that I just yeah. couldn't yeah. control it myself. Yes. And the anxiety controlled you. Mm-hmm. So when we talk about introvertedness... And social interaction, social interaction and introvertedness, or I'm sorry, social interaction and anxiety equal introvertedness. So when you, when you have an introvert in a social setting, the heart racing, the blurry vision, the wanting to run, but it all at the same time feeling like you're trapped. See that, that's interesting that you say that because that is the perfect way to frame what we're talking about here is 
this is not a discussion that we're having that says that you have to be a social butterfly and you have to go and just be friends with everyone, talk to everybody and be that person that you're just not meant to be. At the same time, though, being introverted does not give you an excuse to disqualify yourself from the responsibilities of being, you know, friendly and loving and, and engaged in, in life. But oftentimes, over-socialization causes, uh, you know, uh, uh, well, anxiety that's, that, that, per, that then leads us to, to retreat and, and run and hide. Now, when, when we talk about anxiety and social interaction, this is where it kind of gets, it can get difficult for people because, like, like I just said, you're not expect, God doesn't expect you to go out and talk to every single person on the street and be something you're not, you know, created to be. Because it's not that you, that, that all introverts don't want to have any social interaction it becomes more of a, a value-based decision sometimes. Like, we don't want to just have superficial conversations. We want to actually have conversations with meaning. In order to get to that place where you can have meaningful conversations, you're going to have to develop a relationship with somebody. You're going to have to have those conversations about the weather and the ball game to kind of get a read for people. But introverts struggle with that. A lot of times introverts are wanting to have relationships, that meaningful conversations, you know, like, how's your mom? How's your dad? What's going on in your job? I want to know what's going on so I know how to pray for you. I want to be there for you, etc. But oftentimes we, we find ext- or introverts are, are not able to get to the, you know, to they can't get from A to B. You know, they have they have they they can't they can't accomplish A to get to B is what I mean. And if they could pass at, bypass A and get to B, they would. But how do you do that? We're humans, and we don't have the ability to understand things unless we ask questions and find out, right? So now, in terms of the anxiety that is, uh, and I'm gonna use the word triggered by social interaction. You know, social interaction creates these opportunities sometimes, these scenarios where we experience great anxiety. I'm not talking about anxiety like, oh, geez, man, this is uncomfortable. I'm talking about anxiety that's like, I'm not sure I can pick my foot up, much less lift my leg. I am like frozen, you know, in this in this situation. How do we con- now contrast that with what Jesus told us to do, to love one another, to serve one another, to go and make disciples, and how do we do all of that without social interaction? You got any thoughts on that? Uh, well, I think we can still do those things. Uh, like I said, if I've been been made comfortable with people, whether it's believers or unbelievers, right? Um, I can still love and serve them and make disciples of them as any extrovert would with mm-hmm. anybody else. Uh, but I think being an introvert, it, it's made more personal sometimes mm. uh, because, you know, there's only a select few people that I, I am able to talk to sometimes. Mm-hmm. So I think with that being said, I'm able to personalize it more. It doesn't make me any better of a disciple, but I feel like it's just my way of doing things mm-hmm. because it's I, I've built a personal connection with these people already. 
Well, introver- or introverts are often more, you know, they, they're more sensitive to, to things. They, they, um, it's not that they're more caring. Don't misunderstand me. I'm not, again, I'm not saying extroverts and introverts are, are, you know, mutually exclusive and, oh, this one's good and this one's bad. And I'm also not saying that the introvert can let the extrovert do all the work of developing relationships, nor am I saying that the extrovert can allow the introvert to do all the boring stuff like getting to know what someone feels and what they struggle with and all of that, because we can also do a show about extroverts that corrects some of the issues uh, in, 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 in their world too. But what, what I'm, what I'm wanting to, or the direction I'm trying to kind of get us to, to go here is I'm, I'll, I'll, let me, let me read a few verses to you and then we'll, 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 we'll conversate on those. John 13 and 34, a new commandment I give to you that you love one another, right? Just as I have loved you, you are also, you also are to love one another. I mean, how do we love one another when we don't want to be around people? You know, that, that's kind of one of the, like the thought I had, uh, these things I command you so that you will love one another. Paul said in Romans 12 and 10, love one another with brotherly affection, outdo one another in showing honor. He said in Romans 13, eight, oh, no man, anything except to love each other for the one who loves another has fulfilled the law. Listen to this one. Second Corinthians 13 and 11, Paul says, finally, brothers rejoice, aim for restoration, comfort one another, agree with one another, live in peace. And the God of love and peace will be with you. And Galatians 5, 13, you are called to freedom, brothers. Only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love, serve one another. Ephesians 4 and 2, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love. We can go on and on and on. There is there is definitely a theme that runs throughout the Bible that tells us that we are not an island to ourselves. Even an introvert has a responsibility to be a part of the functioning body of Christ. I want to clear up a misnomer here too, or a misconception. Introverts, not all introverts, are socially dead. Like It's not that introverts do not have meaningful relationships and conversations and, and, and fellowship with one another. What I'm getting at here is the idea that I don't have to be engaged in the work of loving one another because I'm introverted. You see the excuse versus the difficulty I'm not saying that every introvert has to become an extrovert because extrovertedness has its own problems. You know, it's the superficial stuff, you know, like, 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 oh, we're talking about the ball game and the weather, but we're not talking about what's really going on here, you know, or we're overlooking all of these major issues. But in order for us as believers to build relationships, foster them and practice them, we have to be social. How do you do that with anxiety? Great question. I'm still trying to figure that out today. <laughs> uh, and, and I think that it goes back to finding the, the meaningful conversations. Right. You know, I, I can walk around campus and smile at somebody and ask how they're doing and then walk right on. But I don't, I don't get any satisfaction from that. Mm-hmm. Like, I know we're not supposed to get satisfaction from the world, but no, speaking I mean, I, from I, I, a, a business like we when we talk about 
pursuing a career, right? Like in, in my business classes, uh, one of those is finding a career that has a sense of satisfaction and mm-hmm. purpose. Right. I don't see any purpose and just asking somebody how they're doing. Now that that could very well stem into right. a conversation. Right. It could lead to. But just Correct. walking Correct. down the sidewalk on the way to class mm-hmm. and say, "Hey, how are you doing? Good. How are you?" and then good and then walk on never see that person again exactly i there's no there's no sense of purpose in that conversation now when i make it personal with like uh one of my friends within my classes say hey how's Mm -hmm. your sister doing i remember you told me that she had something wrong with her how can i pray for her how can i pray for you it's when we make the conversations more personal is when i get that sense of satisfaction and purpose from it it's not just the superficial stuff you mentioned it's the actual intentional conversation to get in the door you have to unlock it yep and and the unlocking of the door is how are you doing how's it going hey you know again just to reiterate i know i've said this probably several times already but no one is saying that introverts have to be extroverts but we also can't allow intro being an introvert and the anxiety that we get from social interaction to keep us from doing the things we could do. Cause I'm telling you, man, there are times when I've been like, I really don't want to do this, but I did it and I'll go home and I'll be like, Jennifer, I am so glad that I did that. You have no idea. You know, Oh my goodness. I was at the funeral home and I talked to all these people and I really thought I was going to just fall on the floor, you know, and, and, and drop. I'm, I'm dizzy headed. I'm lightheaded. I'm holding myself up against the wall. But I'm glad I did it because at the end, you know, I feel like, man, I really made headway with, with, you know, with developing relationships with people or getting to know somebody better. Because it's hard to tell someone about Jesus dying for them if we can't say hello to them, you know? We have to be able to get to get through that. Um, now, I am not the type of person that believes that, that just because um, you've read a Bible verse and you believe it, that now instantaneously you've overcome all your problems um, and and you'll never have a struggle with, with whatever that is that you're dealing with again because um, oftentimes our problems that we struggle with have multiple layers to them, right? That's why the Bible says to love one another and to be gracious and to outdo one another in loving each other because... The second that you overcome the issue of whatever it is, now you got to move on to the next one or to the next layer of that problem that you didn't even know was there because you hadn't peeled back the first layer. But First um, Peter 5 and 7 in the King James says, Casting all of your care upon him, for he careth for you. Now, if you go to the English Standard Version or just simply use a Bible concordance, and look up the word care. That word care is, and it, I'm going to read it in the English Standard because it's properly translated. It's, this is exactly what was said, um, in you know, by by Peter. He said, "Casting all your anxieties on Him, because He cares for you." It's an interesting phraseology there, because he uses the word anxieties. Now, before we went live. You looked up in the blue, or for those of you who are listening and um, are looking for a good study tool, you need to check out the Blue Letter Bible. They have an app for Android and iPhone. 
Uh, or you can go online to their website, Blue Letter. Is it blueletter.org or blueletterbible.org? I'm not sure. Um, but look, you can Google Blue Letter Bible. You, go, you can go verse by verse and look at every word in the original language that it was written in and see the definitions for that word and then help to identify what the proper content or what the proper translation should be or, or yeah, translation of that word should be. Like, for instance, the word care had how many definitions did it have? Two. And what were they? Uh, care. Care and, and anxiety. And anxiety. Care and anxiety. So what was Peter talking about? Anxiety. Anxiety. What is something that our society is really struggling with right now? Anxiety. 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 And anxiety will manifest itself in different ways and, in different, and even differently in different situations. Um, sometimes anxiety causes introvertedness. Do you know what else anxiety causes? Extrovertedness. Over-talking. Or under-talking. But in both cases, what is it preventing us from doing? Developing legitimate, beneficial relationships with other people that we need. Like, how how many times have... For those of you who don't know this, Braden hates cold weather. He despises it. He is wearing a sweatshirt. It's a short sleeve shirt, I'm assuming, because it's a polo. But he has a sweatshirt on. He came down last night before Bible study and he was wearing like a winter jacket. He's, he's like, I, and he, and he literally walked in and said, I hate this cold weather, but <laughs> our body, our human body, our natural bodies require certain vitamins and minerals. They require sunlight. They require warmth to stay alive, but physiologically or, or psychologically we require relationships. We, we need friendships. We need companionship. We need those things to keep us going. That's why Jesus said, love one another as I have loved you. He, who better than the one who made us to know what we need. And if that's what we need, then that's what the enemy is going to try to keep us from having. So anxiety, which is a, these perceived threats or fears oh my goodness what and I'm not in any way belittling anything but just hear me out it's kind of like remember Chicken Little the sky is falling the sky is falling but it's not falling it's not falling but the perception in our minds is greater than what the actuality is and it those those fears keep us from being able to accomplish and, and overcome and, and conquer uh, the things that we need. And I know we don't like to talk about this because we're supposed to be, you know, red-blooded Americans that, that root and toot and shoot and scoot, and we're not supposed to be afraid of anything, and we can conquer everybody. All we got to have is a bad attitude and a loaded pistol, and we're ready for action, right? But if we're honest, even some of that, that whole... I'm rough and tough and made of bulletproof stuff. You're not. That's an act. And the reason you're putting on that act is because of your anxiety. When in actuality, you desperately want friends, but you don't know how to be friendly because your anxiety debilitates you. Or because of anxiety, you just blurt things out that you don't really want to say, almost... 
you know what I mean? Like, like it's just, it's an impulse. Or you come across as angry or gruff. You ever seen somebody, their eyebrows are always snarled and they always just look like they're mad. Well, sometimes it's not because they're mean. Sometimes it's because on the inside, they're scared to death, right? And that's, that's how it manifests. It's how, how it produces itself. So there's no doubt that, that all of us deal with anxiety and to give people a little comfort uh, Braden, just roughly ballpark. When did Peter write this? Um, it, was, it was after um, Jesus had went on to be with the Father. So, so about how many years ago? Rough, rounded two, up about two thousand. Yeah, about two thousand years ago. Nineteen hundred and sixty years, forty years, fifty years, sixty, whatever, seventy. Two thousand years. Two thousand years ago. If Peter is writing writing about anxiety two thousand years ago. Do you think it just manifested itself in the Roman Empire? No, of course not. It, it had to start back in the garden. Didn't David once say, I feel like my bones have become disconnected and my joints are torn apart? What was he feeling? He was feeling crippling anxiety. And and yes, it, go, it goes all the way back. I mean, go, go back to the garden. Yeah, Adam and Eve, when God appears and says, yeah. where are you? And yeah. they're like, Oh, they're freaking out. And they're like, we're hiding. He's like, what is hiding? What is this? What is hiding? Obviously, I'm not, I'm being funny here, but you know, <laughs> he's like, oh, you're hiding. Well, why are you hiding? You know, well, we, we did what you told us not to do. Oh, so what are you feeling right now? Man, I don't know, but I'm going to call it anxiety. That's what I'm feeling. So when Peter says, cast all of your anxiety upon him because he cares for you, the, the thought here is that God cares about us, right? To care about somebody means to understand. You remember our, our, our message this past Sunday, the character of God, the character of God, the character of Christ, and the character of the church, it, you know, corporately and individually, should be to cover, to not look at everybody's sin and want to point out and, and berate them and judge them and feel like you're superior because, ooh, I caught you. You left yourself uncovered. But how, how in the world are we supposed to be able to truly get to know one another if we don't open up and, and, and be honest about what we struggle with, who we are, what we do? So in order to have that opportunity to get that thing that we need, we've got to be able to overcome the anxieties of making and developing the relationships that, that are necessary for us to feel that way. Do you see the, the, the cycle here? This, 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 it's a, it's just a perpetual loop where I need this. So I should do this, but I don't want to do this because I'm scared. So I don't. So now I need what I don't have. It just goes back around and around and around and around. But God knows what we need and he, and he cares about us. I mean, he understands that we have anxieties, that we have fears, and our fears are based on past experiences, and our past experiences don't determine our future endeavor or our future trajectory, but we often will plan our future based on our past instead of, you know, the opposite. What, what did the word casting, you know, to cast all of our care, what did that word cast mean? Do you remember when you looked it up what it meant? think one of them was to do away with, uh, transfer maybe. It was a verb. To throw. Yep. To put it on someone else. So at no point am I saying 
Well, if you just trust God, you'll be able to go out and have relationships with people, develop relationships with people, have conversations with people. What I'm saying is, when you understand how valuable and how desperately you need to have those relationships with other people, then you can go to the Lord and you can say, Lord, I know I need this, but man, I don't know what to do. I don't know how to do this. And then when you go to him and tell him that, because you, you see it now, you acknowledge it, just like Adam and Eve in the garden. What have you done? And Adam gives him this lame excuse. That woman you gave me, she got me deceived. And then he asks Eve, what happened? And she said, the serpent, the serpent tricked me. The devil, he, he, he lied to me. He got me. He got me. She was open and honest, right? When we go to the Lord and we say, Lord, I'm, I mean, I know I need to do this, but man, I'm terrified. I am literally, literally terrified. What I'm trying to say to people today is it's okay to be terrified. God knows that. He knows you are. Because that's that's what the enemy's trying to do. He gets it, he sees it. But when you acknowledge that, I'm terrified. But God, I need to overcome this. I don't need to be an extrovert, but I can't be an island. I've, I've, I've got to have others. And especially in the church, I mean, we, we don't have to be everybody's buddy and everybody's best friend, I mean, um, in the church. But the last thing we would want to do is come across as unfriendly, especially to new people coming to church. So when we see this and we go to the Lord about it and say, God, I'm, I'm giving this to you. I need you to help me to overcome this. Two things will happen. One, you'll have peace. Because, hey, I've acknowledged it, I've, I've, I've brought this out in the open, and I've talked to the Lord about it. And then the Lord will start the process of helping you to, to, to be able to get where you need to be. You know. So what I would ask people today is to evaluate your life. Are you, do you feel like you are being involved in the process of loving one another, serving one another, and making disciples, uh, you know, reaching and teaching and, and being an example, um, and, and, and encouraging other people in the process of, of you know the love and the and the mercy of, of Christ on display display in the act of the of, of what the Spirit's doing within the church body. Or do you feel like you're you're doing that? Evaluate yourself, and then if you feel like Lord, I could, I really feel like I could be doing better, you know. Then you go to the Lord and you say, God, here's what I need to be doing. Here's why I'm not doing it. Help me to overcome this. And help me to develop real, lasting, meaningful relationships with people. And not just to be confined to the comfortableness of, of, the, of what's always been. You know, to, to kind of step out into the great unknown. Our church is growing. And I've, I've, you know, I've heard people before say, man, I, I only know a few people now. You know, it's my family. I know my family. Or, or they'll say things like, boy, I... Maybe we ought to do something sometime to to put a, names with faces and such, you know. And, you know, the best way to do that is to go to the people and talk to them and get to know them. But I understand that that's, that's debilitating for some folks. It's scary. But if we think about it, could we not do a better job if we weren't debilitated by fear and anxiety? 
Does that make any sense at yeah. all? And and see, I don't really struggle with that part of it. You know, when I see somebody new coming into church, it gets me excited. Like, hey, mm-hmm. these mm-hmm. people could become a part of our family one day. Right. So I, I I like to go up and talk to them. And, you know, sometimes I might know them from the community. But other times, if I don't, that just gives me an even better reason to go up and talk to them. Exactly. To get to know sure. them. But that's also not one of those conversations, like I said, that I have at school. Hey, how are you? It was... <laughs> Yeah. I start out with that, but then I then I introduce myself and say, "Hi, my name's Braden. I do this, right. this, and this at the church. Let us know how we can help you." And then then we go from there. And then if they come back the next week, then I I might ask him, "Hey, what what do you do for a living? Where where do you live? That right. kind of you, stuff." You're developing you, developing the conversation. You have yeah. to go into it slowly. Mm-hmm. Which even then, if I was an extrovert, I might just ask him all that stuff the first day, <laughs> but. Uh, I have to have that courage <laughs> right. to, and boldness built up. I don't laugh because it's funny. It, I laugh because it's true. That. Yeah. Um, so I think once we do those things in the church, we're able to go out and do that in the world. Okay. And see that that's there. You are now. You just you just segued perfectly into the next next it, thought. It, it the church is the church, mm-hmm. the the people, but we also go to church to be prepared to reach others ah, as well. To go so out, if we yeah. are. I don't want it to sound it like make it sound like works and everything, but we're no, when we're mean. practicing these things within the church on our own body. Could you imagine what we could do once we perfect those skills and actually go out and do it in the world? How can there's a verse that says if judgment begins, it, it begins in the house of God. I'm paraphrasing somewhat there. And the best the best place for you to practice love and mercy is with your husband or your wife, your children, your mother, your father, your home, your environment. You don't, you know what I'm saying? And then you venture on out into the, to your church family, your church body. But you're right. This is where it gets really, yikes, is when it comes, I'm going to read to you from Matthew 28. Jesus came and spoke to them and said, All power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. Go ye, therefore, and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. Now I'm going to read it in the English Standard Version to give just a little little contrast. And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Uh, See, it gets a little uncomfortable there because... I mean, the, the context here, of course, is Jesus talking to the disciples who are now going to become this fledgling church that are going to go and share the gospel with everybody. But from generation to generation, there's a new crop of, of folks who need to hear the gospel. Every time a baby's born, you know, you think in the, even in a small community like ours, um, think about how many, how many new people move in or, or babies are born here in, in, into families and you now have a whole new mission field. And 
just because you don't know them does not mean that God has given you a pass. Maybe you're the person that, that, that he will use to speak to this person, but how can I speak if I don't have a mouth? You know, <laughs> how can I talk? So one of the one of the things to think about um, in terms of the anxiety caused um, or the introvertedness caused by anxiety is to think about what I'm doing is not about me or for me. This is for him. And when I put myself out there, in no way, shape, form, or fashion am I going to hinder him or stop him from, um, or, or, or is he not going to be able to work through me and do what he wants to do? So sometimes it, it, it can be a, a case of, God, this is what I struggle with, this is what I deal with, but I give this to you and I trust that you're able to work in me and do what, what I can't. But in order for us to go out and be a witness to those around us, then that's going to require us to develop relationships with people. So what do we do, Braden, when we are just completely terrified of the prospect or the concept of talking to somebody um, outside of our familiarity zone? Like what, what, what advice would you have or what would you say to those people? Well, just, I don't know why I didn't think of this earlier, even this weekend when I text you, Hey, here's our next topic. Yeah. Yeah, By by the way, this was, yeah, he he texted me this weekend and said, here's what we're going to do. So, but, uh, I'd like to think back to Moses and Aaron. Did, did Moses not struggle with the same thing? Absolutely. Saying, Lord, I can't speak fluently to these people. How, how, how do you expect me to be successful in your mission field? Exactly. I'm, but, I'm and, not a good talker. I'm not good with conversation. And, and that exactly is a lesson in itself for us, too. You know, like, you know, maybe I can't go out and, and exactly. speak to these people that I don't know. But did God not provide something to help him with that at the same time? Like, he, he understood the needs of Moses, mm-hmm. yet he still provided Aaron. Mm-hmm. So even if it's not something that changes within our own lives. Maybe it's something, somebody that God gives us to help us overcome those things mm. that have already struggled with it, mm-hmm. which goes back to our very first podcast that we did, uh, discipling others, mm-hmm. being a, a disciple within the church body, mm-hmm. uh, being intergenerational, somebody mm-hmm. who's already experienced these things mm-hmm. to help mm-hmm. the, the newer generation to overcome them. One of the keys to overcoming this is having the love and the compassion that Christ had for the world at work in us and the motivation to want someone to be able to experience the freedom that we have, knowing one that we're obeying the Lord by loving others and wanting to go talk to them Two, knowing that in us dwells Christ Christ is in us, and through Him, we can do all things. Sometimes I think we, I don't mean that we view it as a competition, like we're trying to outdo somebody, but sometimes I I think people get the idea that it's a competitive thing, that we should all be going out and trying to win as many people as we can. You know, if God tells you to go and win one person, you've done the will of the Lord. And if that one person that you win takes a long time, you you see what I'm saying here? It's not about, um, you know, how many um, it's not about quantity, it's about quality, which is, 
I didn't mean to segue, but that will be our key. We're, we're not salesmen. There. We don't have quotas to meet. No, we don't. But we are still called. That's what exactly to do right. that. It, yes. There's not a set number that says if you you save so many people right. through your works that right. you're going to go to heaven and get a, yes. a, a three story mansion. Right. Exactly. That, your, your crown's going to be better because you you say you you spoke to three hundred people instead of three, but. Of the 300 people you spoke to, how many of those were long-lasting, valuable, developed, sincere, genuine relationships? Or were they were just, hey, how are you? Jesus loves you. Here's a track. I'm out. Beep. See ya. But real, what I'm saying, man, is don't feel that you have to meet a quota, right? Or that you have to perform. This isn't performance-based. Or that, well, if I really love Jesus, I wouldn't have anxiety. The hooey. Yeah, Are you kidding I, me? I don't like when when uh, I hear that statement. You know, where you stress the most about is where you trust Jesus the less about. Now, I'm not saying I don't completely disagree with it, but you know, every person throughout the Bible had something they struggled with. <laughs> Moses couldn't speak. Uh, David, you know, there's there's all his struggles. But you know, even well, even the twelve disciples. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, Peter denied him three times. Thomas doubted him. Thomas was doubting. I mean, it, it's all, there's always something that somebody deals with, <laughs> no matter how perfect right. they are. Yeah, I mean, there, again, the, you know, the, the, the premise or, or, or the whole premise of everything is that as much as, as I would, I would love to see everybody be able to overcome the issues that they struggle with. But Paul himself said, three times I went to the Lord and asked him to take this thorn in the flesh away from me. And three times he told me, my grace is sufficient for you. So we have to be gracious and show grace to one another. And again, I I mean, you know, if if you struggle with debilitating anxiety, talk to your doctor, talk to a a therapist, a counselor, go and see somebody if that, you know, if, if that is how you feel led. But you, the idea that, well, I read this verse. It says right here, cast all your care upon him. And then the Bible says to go. So you just need to go. You know, and I want to sit down with those people and have a conversation. But why are you so mean? Now, now I know the way I said that in the context of the conversation. It's like, well, you sound like such a sissy when you say it, such a wimp. No, hear me out. Why is it that some people are so angry and and we should, militant is what I'm looking for. They're militant. You should just go. Honey, you might not deal with anxiety, but if you go out and you have that attitude and that personality with people who are, unbel- they're not going to listen to a thing you say because you don't have, you can't formulate a thought. Everything you do is all about power and authority. And do you see what I'm getting at here? It's it's this it's it's a different problem, but it's the same problem. It keeps us from being a light and a witness to the world around us. It's kind of like the whole, you know, Peter versus Thomas, and maybe that's not the best analogy, but Peter, Lord, if everybody turns on you, I won't. Right? And so I'll get my I'll get me get let me get my sword. And versus the I just don't think I can. Which is worse? They're not, there is neither, they're both wrong. One's not better than the other. So that's what I'm kind of getting at is I understand that there are people that have very strong feelings about anxiety. Brother, you should just pray and go on. 
but those same people will not respond, oftentimes will not respond to reproof and correction about what is wrong with them. Here's the thing about, and I'm, this is not a free pass for introverts, okay? Not at all. Not a free pass. We all are called to go, right? We go with that. But, and hear me out, just, just hear me out. Is it possible that some of the problem that introverts have is they want real and significant relationships with other people that aren't just surface level, right? Not just the surface level. Hey, how you doing? What's going on? What's up? How's everybody? Oh yeah. How's your mom? Oh yeah. They want more than that, right? They, they, they need more than that because they like having that connection with people and it's, it's a realness or a, a valuable connection that they feel like they have. And that makes them feel like they are, you know, actually doing something. Now, we, we laughed about this yesterday, but we, when we were discussing our podcast, we, I was in one of my fits of lunacy, I had the mad madness, the mad genius. The, this thought came to me, and I told you I would work this out, and I did. Super special social or superficial special social anecdotal notions. You just, just hear me out, you guys. He's he's trying not to laugh on the mic, but he, he's he's turned his face away, so uh, you don't get the full effect of what we're doing here. This yesterday, I just said something about superficial social, and then the rhythm hit me, and I was like, superficial social something 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 something, and then it hit me this morning. Superficial special social anecdotal notions. Introverts hate that. It's the most confusing word. It makes the most sense. It makes ever. perfect sense. Introverts want more than superficial, special, social, anecdotal notions. And if you're wondering why I don't say it faster, so it sounds like I'm saying supercalifragilisticexpialidocious, it's because I'm terrified that I'm going to say something wrong as I read through this because that's a tongue twister. Superficial, special, social, anecdotal notions. It's too much work to go back and edit things. <laughs> yeah, I don't want to have to fix that. But that's what it's what introverts oftentimes struggle with. They want more than just superficial, special, social, anecdotal notions. They want actual conversations, depth, and 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 having having some sort of of valuable, genuine connection with, with folks. But in order to have that, in order to have that, we're gonna have to have the small talk. And how do we do that? without sounding like a robot or a machine. I'm going to give some advice, right? And this is just my advice. Take it with a grain of salt. When you care about someone, you know, you, you genuinely care. If you say, hey, how you doing today? They don't hear, hey, how are you doing today? They hear, and this person actually cares. Because what you feel comes across in what you say. And even though you may be forcing yourself to talk to somebody a little bit, if you're doing it because you care about them, you really care about their soul, you, you care about um, who they are as a person, then they'll feel that. It's kind of like when, when we talk to people that we don't agree with. 
Like when we go out into the community, we don't get to only talk to those people that we feel safe with, you know, because oftentimes we'll compromise when we do that, because just because someone is a quote unquote Christian does not mean that they're following Jesus, right? But because they're part of our club, they're in our clique, but maybe they're not in Christ. I'm not, this is, I'm not trying to be ugly and judgy. Do you understand what I'm saying here? Does that make sense, Braden, what I'm, what I'm getting at? Yeah. Um, but what, what we have to do is be willing to take, take huge risks and talk to the people that we know we don't agree with. Not don't talk about what you don't agree on. Right. But talk to them. Just talk to them. Because you really care. They'll feel that. They'll know. It's not about you agreeing with what they're doing that you know is is not what, what, what... You're not saying that what they're doing, which is against the Lord's will, is okay. What you're saying is, just like I love my brother or sister in Christ who is struggling with things in the flesh, I love you too. And just saying hello. I don't know if y'all know this or not. But people know things. People know that if you're a believer in Christ, that you do not um, rubber stamp everything that they do. But if I am not going to talk to anybody unless they are a on-fire follower of Jesus, then you're not going to talk to anybody, and you're certainly not going to talk to yourself. Because all of us are flawed, Right? It's, well, I don't talk to him because he's an adulterer. He's been married two, three, four times. I don't want nothing to do with him. Well, I don't want nothing to do with her. She had that kid before she was married, or he was a drug addict. She was an alcoholic. Their kid, this kid's gay, or this over here is this, and what, yada, I'll go on, just, just, just list out whatever it is. How are you ever going to tell them about Jesus? If you don't talk to them. And how can you talk to them unless you have compassion? You know, why else would you want to talk to them? So this is where I go back to the, this whole introvertedness. Sometimes, or this whole this whole thought of the superficial, special, social, anecdotal notions is because introverts want more than just superficial, special, social, anecdotal notions. They want more than that. And what I'm getting at is just the fact that you want that and desire that. People will see that. when That will come across in the, hello, how are you? I know this sounds silly, man, and, it, and people are probably going to think I'm crazy for saying this. But man, just saying hello to somebody sometimes is life-changing when you mean it. You're saying hello, but they're, they're hearing, that person loves me. That person cares. So as an introvert, you're not expected, required, certainly isn't demanded by by God or anybody else that you go be something you're not. This is just there's some people that are quiet. They can still have an impact, right? They can, they can still have a have an impact for the kingdom because that quietness that they experience or feel, someone else feels that same way, right? And the extrovert. There are extroverts that need that. I mean, how many times have you talked to somebody? You, you know the extroverts in our church, right? You know them. They're the people that just can't get enough of the shake and bake time. 
They love it. And they'll say, oh, I wish it were 15, 20 minutes long. I just love talking to everybody. And then you got people that are sweating and like running to the bathroom and they're they're shaking and freaking out in the side wings, scared to death somebody's going to say hello to them, you know, and they'll have to say something back. It's like, you know, hello, how are you? Bacon! Oh, why, not, why am I even talking? I don't know. What's happened to me? But, you know, you, you've heard the term different strokes for different folks. There, there's different different things that, that uh, or different ways that people, people, uh, conduct themselves and, and and that's that's good it's it's varieties the spice of life but for the believer we have a we have the commandment from Jesus to go and, and make disciples um, and or in order to do that we have to have these conversations we have to get to know people but you don't have to save the whole world you just have to go where he tells you to go and speak what he tells you to, when, when he tells you to speak so the introvert should never feel like they have to be an extrovert, right? And an introvert should never feel like they have to be something they, that they aren't. But you don't have to tell an introvert you should say hello to somebody. They'll already feel it. And that's where the anxiety comes in. I know I should, but I'm scared to death. What if I say the wrong thing? What if I do the wrong thing? What if I, what if I wet myself trying to talk to whatever, you know, but the most important thing is that we care and that's why we want to talk. What are your thoughts? And like you said, it, it has to be genuine. You know, we don't want to, to paint this facade that, you know, we're just trying to, to, to be the, the Christians well, I'd say that in quotes, you know, right. Christians. Yeah. We don't want to just make the world seem like we're we're just Christians on the inside. We have to be able to prove to them that, you know, we truly have been changed by the blood of Christ and that His Spirit lives within us. Mm-hmm. And uh, if those things are true, then, of course, we will be genuine. We will be loving and caring to others around us. Uh, but even that stuff takes a lot of time to develop, too. It's not, of course... You will feel changed as soon as you come to of Christ, course. right? But right, it still takes time to develop. Even uh, maybe an introvert is starting to develop into an extrovert, maybe just right. for that sole reason to go right. out and reach more people, maybe. Uh, but we have to be able to carry the burden of the lost mm-hmm. some some way or another. And if it's not genuine and like they want to just go out and just speak to people for the sake of speaking. I think that's where the, the true difference is. Mm-hmm. It's the, the genuineness behind it. Yeah, people don't want to hear you read a script either. Yeah. You know, they, they, they need more than just you reading a script. But at the same time, I, I agree that, that we as believers need to go and, 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 and be what Jesus has called us to be. And I know introverts struggle with that. You know why I know that? Because we are one. Because we are one. But while I have learned over years, over the years to, um, that's what I'm looking for to, to not to overcome it, but to 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 be able to function. I've learned that 
it's not so much that I don't want to talk to people. It's, it's more about, I don't want this to just be superficial. And I know that it's going to require work to develop and grow the relationship. And I know that oftentimes I would rather be sitting in my chair in the quiet, you know, but I know I need to do this. Um, I've learned how to cope with that to, to some degree and, and to function. You notice I'm saying cope and function. I'm not saying I've kicked it. I still struggle with it, but I know that I need it. I know that I'm going to be happy that I have, you know, stretched myself, you know, and, and made that, that effort. So for the, for the introverts that are listening today, I know that it's terrifying to put yourself out there like that and say hello to someone. I mean, what if they, what if they reject you or what if they don't want, you know, what if they are freaked out because you scared them by saying hello? You're not asking them, Hey, what's your social security number? When do you want to go eat? You know, you're, you're just, how's it going? And sometimes when an introvert says hello, people can feel it. It's more than hello. This person actually cares because they overcame their fear. They faced their fears to do this. And you can feel it. I don't know, man. I, I, I'm just somebody that deals with it. And I'm trying to just kind of share my experience a little bit. While at the same time encouraging people to, to overcome it. And to not let it, let it keep them down. But introverts and extroverts are both dealing with the same thing just in different ways. It's anxiety. And I know I understand the, the technical term extrovert and technical term introvert. I'm, I'm, I'm not destroying the, the meaning of them. Just, just, just hear me out. Introverts and extroverts in the church both have a similar problem or have the same problem. Um, they're very similar just from different ends of the spectrum. You know, the introvert, it's hard for them to develop a relationship because they're afraid of talking to everybody. Extroverts, it's hard for them to develop relationships because they like to talk to everybody. <laughs> so maybe we'll do a show about extroverts one day. We'll get Joy on here. Somebody that's really, <laughs> really good at that. We'll, we'll talk about extroverts. Um, or I'll tell you what we'll do, man. We'll do a show one day with, with someone that's an extrovert, someone that's an introvert, and then we'll, we'll, we'll parse all that out. And uh, once we've dissected it, we'll show that they're kind of the same person, you know? Um, and then uh, I'll be the, the, the moderator because I'm the introverted extrovert. So, or extroverted introvert. What would I be? An extroverted introvert or an introverted extrovert? Well, I maybe, think either way you say it, it's the same thing. Maybe we should. Maybe we should. Uh, maybe we should get a professional on here to tell us what we <laughs> what we are. What are you talking about? We are professional. <laughs> oh yeah, I mean that's exactly. Right. I stayed at a Holiday Inn. I've got this. Um, that was a very old joke, and I felt really cheesy saying it, but I I had to do it. But um, I have a piece of paper over here that says I'm a professional. That's what I, <laughs> <laughs> I hand wrote it myself. What? Uh, any any last closing thoughts or anything you want to throw in here? Well, the, as somebody who struggles from it very much um, and still struggle with it now, I think I do know that there is hope to overcome mm -hmm. it. You know, I, I don't want to be an extrovert. I like being an introvert, but yeah. uh, 
I know that even through all things that, you know, it's Christ who strengthens me. And if I need to talk to this certain person, you know, God will give me the strength to do it. Sure. And that's the same way with, it doesn't have to be a gospel conversation either. Right. right. I get, I could be uh, anxious about maybe going to some 10 year old's birthday party or something. Who knows? Mm-hmm. Maybe just doing it out of an act of service no. from the church. But, but just as an individual believer and, you know, and just any, go through everyday life. Any social interaction, really, you know. If you are meant to be there, you'll be there. Right. And it doesn't right. matter if you feel those same thing, those feelings or not. Uh, there will be a purpose through it, no matter what. And uh, I've learned that, actually, this weekend. You know, it, there was a reason that I was down there and felt those things. Mm-hmm. I mean, it kind of developed into what we've talked about today, really. I mean, we're using yeah. my experience from this past weekend <laughs> to come and, and minister to people who may have experienced the same thing, just yeah. weren't able to talk about it yeah. because they are introverts. And in the process of you overcoming the thing that debilitates you, you're helping others to overcome the thing that debilitates them. And that's the importance of, of sharing our step, our story there because there might be somebody who, who deals with the same things that we've dealt with, Yeah, but just hearing our story about how we've maybe been able to cope with it or even overcome it, that might be the very thing that turns them to Christ. You said that perfectly, to cope with it or maybe even overcome it. A man with a theory is always at the mercy of a man with an experience. People need to hear our experiences. And sometimes when you say hello, they can feel it. I want just 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 to clarify um, before we before we close out, I know that this has not been a clinical dissertation on anxiety um, or introvertedness. We obviously as um, you know, a, a church believers, etc. This is this has been a conversation that has been um, focused on the social interactions of believers for the purpose of reaching out to others. This, this has not in, in any way been meant, or uh, you know, or the intention of this podcast was not to have a full discourse about anxiety and introvertedness. Just how anxiety affects us, causing the introvertedness or the cause us to be introverted because introvertedness is not a word, but I want to make sure that introverts understand the value. The reason they are the way they are is because they do not want to have superficial, special, social, anecdotal notions. They want to have real relationships. And that is a blessing, right? Because there's enough superficiality in the world today and people are tired the arguing, the fighting, the the venom and vitriol and, and all of the violent rhetoric that they're hearing um, from inside, outside, um, man, even from even from inside the church. But they want to get back to the fundamental principles of what it means to be, um, you know, a, a, a loving, compassionate human being that was made in the image of God and to go out and reach one another. So introverts do have a wonderful, you know, quality, let's say, uh, because part of the fear that they face is having superficial, special social anecdotal notions instead of real lasting relationships. So um, maybe as we go through our podcasts over the next, you know, 150 years, 
we will, um, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll talk more about anxiety, introverts, extroverts, whatever. Uh, none of this is, is none of these conversations are going to be all consuming, closing out the thought, you know, here, this is how you overcome anxiety. You, you, you just, you just, you just face it. You deal with it. You cope with it. And maybe you overcome it in some ways. Uh, maybe you struggle with it for, you know, th- your whole life. But just, just, just hear me out here real quick. Unless you face it, cope with it, you will develop these scars, if you will, or these, these bad traits, bad habits, where you allow the anxiety to make you rude, ugly, crude, violent, mean, or closed off, can't function, not just debilitated, but paralyzed. So, again, this has not been a conversation about, here's how you cure anxiety. There's no, that's, that doesn't, <laughs> it's not at all what we're implying. Nor are we saying that you have an excuse to just throw in the towel and say, oh, I can't do it. Maybe you can. Maybe you can. And through him is the only way. So let's evaluate, pray, and, and ask God, can help me to help me to see and, and, and to be able to get past, um, you know, what it is that's, that's, that's holding me back. Does that, does that make sense? Yes, it does. Well, Brad, you going to come back and see us again soon? Yep, we'll see. All right, well, we're going to close this podcast out. Again, I want to uh, say to all of you out there who are introverts, you want more than superficial, special, social, anecdotal notions. See you.